From Boston University and BU Alumni Relations, welcome to Proud to Be You Around the World. I'm your host, Jeff Murphy, and this season, we're taking the podcast on the road to meet some of our most interesting and accomplished alumni navigating life and careers in cities across the globe. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome guest host Dan Gardner back to the podcast. Dan's my colleague on the Alumni Career Programs team, and he's also earning his MBA from the Questrom School of Business. Dan, thanks again for handling this interview. Take it away. Thanks for having me back, Jeff. My guest today is Ivalice Morales. Evie is the founder and CEO of Bombilla, a branding and design firm helping to illuminate the important issues that need our attention and action in America. After earning her bachelor's degree from the College of Communication in 2012, Evie honed her skills at world-renowned firms and organizations like IDEO, Year Up, Cone Communications, and Ogilvy. She joined me on the podcast to talk about how she became an entrepreneur, and she shares her vision for a future that embodies representative storytelling to advance social change. A quick note before we get started, my conversation with Evie took place back in May of 2020, prior to the nationwide demonstrations in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Evie, thank you so much for being part of the Proud to Be You podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Daniel. I'm wondering if we can start, how, would you mind telling me a little bit about your childhood? And when you were a kid, how did you answer the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a beautiful question. So by the time I was in fourth grade, I had lived in Germany, where I was born, Puerto Rico, where my parents were born and raised, Washington State on a military base, and Connecticut. And so, um, you know, military kid, my dad um, probably served in the U.S. Army. And I mostly grew up outside of New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. And if you were to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it would have been a politician or a business person. Um, I, you know, I really admired my dad's uniform and how he would suit up to go to work. And at the time, I was also really inspired by Hillary Clinton and her power suits. So I totally envisioned myself with, you know, a briefcase in hand with a corner office at a skyscraper in Manhattan. Proximity to New York City definitely um, was a part of that vision. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm first generation American. You know, my parents were born and raised on the island. And so there's a term called third culture kid that kind of perfectly encapsulates my identity, where I'm a hybrid of, you know, my parents' culture and American culture, and I'm bilingual. And so, you know, my multicultural context definitely speaks for itself in terms of like my friends and where I show up and how I show up. And uh, it really fortifies my value of bringing people together. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how you found your way to Boston and BU? Did you uh, know that you wanted to leave Connecticut and the New York scene behind? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity I had to attend Hill Regional Career High School in New Haven, Connecticut. As a high school student, I had the chance to major in business or in health sciences. And so throughout my four years at this high school, I took business classes on top of, you know, regular academics. And um, my, my sophomore and junior year, I took a class on entrepreneurship. 
um, brought to us by NIFTI, the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship, which helps youth of color learn entrepreneurial skills and build their own businesses. And so through that entrepreneurship class, I got the opportunity to build my own business plan. I got the chance to compete um, for prizes at a regional and national level. And ultimately, the entire project made me realize wow, like I really enjoy marketing. Like I really came alive when it came to, you know, how do we put this service and product in front of our customers? How do we serve them? How do we, um, you know, get them to buy, you know, the, the psychology and science behind marketing and communications was really fascinating to me. And I'm already a creative person, you know, I enjoy writing, I love reading. And so marketing just kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. And that really really inspired and focused me on the schools I looked at. So I only applied to three schools. I applied to Boston University, Emerson College, and Northeastern University. You know, by the time I was older, I felt New York was a little bit too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Boston felt like, you know, close enough, small enough, a great stepping stone towards a bigger city. And so, um, so yeah, you know, I, I did early action for Emerson. So for a couple of months, I was like convinced <laughs> I was going to go there. And then I got my acceptance letter from BU and was like totally floored and um, amazed. And, you know, they were generous with the financial aid package. And so as soon as I got that letter, it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to be a terrier now. Um, and what's crazy is like I the first time I visited campus was during Multicultural Weekend. Um, so I accepted yes without really testing out the campus or, or meeting students. Mm-hmm. But I was really focused on majoring in public relations um, and wanted to be at a school that would set me up for success for my career. That's incredible to have that experience uh, e- even as early as high school to take those business classes and to create a business plan. I mean, do you remember what your business plan was? I do. And it comes full circle, um, which is beautiful for me. So the name of the business was called Trans Talk. And it was affordable interpreter services for non-native English speakers. And this was inspired by my grandmother, who doesn't speak English that well and goes to doctor's appointments uh, and takes care of, you know, important administrative meetings and documents without the support of an interpreter. And that just, it just opens a door for folks to get taken advantage of and for a lot to be lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And so without me even knowing, I built a social enterprise and uh, my career has, my entire career has been at the intersection of communication and social impact. So I've worked in corporate social responsibility. I've worked in-house at nonprofits. And so to see that I was already a branding businesses in high school, but also kind of thinking beyond profit and thinking about like the triple bottom line as a kid, like mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. <laughs> that, is, that is very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience once you got to BU? Where were the places that you hung out? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you do outside the classroom? Mm-hmm. Yes. So my my first work study job was at the Howard Thurman Center, back when it was you know on the lower level of the GSU, mm-hmm. and so that was like I couldn't have asked for a better 
first campus job because I was a receptionist, which meant which meant I had to greet everyone and meet everyone. Mm-hmm. And being a freshman, obviously, it's like you need friends. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the Howard Thurman Center quickly became my home on campus. It's where I know I could find my friends, where I could, you know, connect with other students of color. Um, with you know with students from other countries of different origins and backgrounds coming together for really engaging and impactful programming like coffee and conversation on Fridays with Dean Elmore mm-hmm. um, so you know my freshman year everything kind of stemmed from HTC programming um, and then over the years you know I uh, the summer of 2009 I worked in orientation with Shiny James and her team as a program coordinator for a summer. And then for two years, I worked at the student activities office. So, um, you know, I would help all student groups um, plan their big events and advocate for money and get, you know, help them with their marketing. Um, so I was really involved um, on the student affairs side. Um, and then I was also involved with Alianza Latina, um, which is one of the Latino student groups on campus. And during my time there, I also started BU Latino, uh, which I don't think exists anymore, but it was like our first attempt. This was when Tumblr was like all the rage. Mm-hmm. So it was like our attempt to create content for us and by us. Um, so I definitely kept busy. I had a lot of fun. I also hustled, you know, on top of my classes at Calm and my extracurriculars and my work study job. I also hit the ground running with internships. So by the time I graduated from BU, I had 10 internship experiences under my belt. I started my freshman year um, and kind of rebelled against the recommendation that we should save it for like junior year. That's unbelievable. I I can't even fathom 10 internship experiences over the course of four years, but that's really great. And it clearly has served you uh, very well. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, you knew coming in that you were interested in PR and uh, all that the College of Communication had to offer. Can you talk about some of your academic experiences? Were there classes that stand out in your mind or professors or mentors who helped you along the way? Yes. So one of my favorite professors is Professor Cheryl Lambert. Um, She has since left the university, but she taught media relations. And I met her at a mixer at the Howard Thurman Center, actually, that brought together um, black and brown professors. So it was an opportunity to meet professors of color at different schools and of different disciplines. And, you know, the class she was offering was a class in the major. So it was going to take a couple of semesters for me to be able to take her class. Um, but having met her and known that she was offering it, it was a done deal. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, you know, we built a relationship and we're still in contact to this day. You know, she's written a number of recommendation letters for me. Um, and at this stage, it's just cool to be able to support one another in our respective careers. Um, and, it, you know, it's so important to have professors that can relate to you and share similar background, um, particularly when it comes to careers that aren't necessarily um, diverse yet or have, you know, research, um, experts, you know, uh, people who, I guess like when you look at 
syllabi, right? And the authors of these books and these resources, just recognizing that they don't all have the same lived experiences I do. So to have PR taught to me by a Black woman was really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, what was also really neat too, being in Calm, is that I had, with our minor, I got to design it. So following my curiosities, I developed a minor in Muslim studies. And so I pieced together different classes just to better understand like Middle Eastern culture and Middle Eastern history. There was like one semester where I took a class just on the city of Jerusalem and unpacking all of the history tied to it. I took a class on intro to the Middle East. Oh my gosh, I remember having to take map quizzes where I had to like remember the borders like pre and post Ottoman Empire. (laughs) Um, And then I took a class on Muslim women studies. So it's like, you know, really um, digging into like gender equity and like gender experiences in, you know, within the Islamic religion um, and like reading literature poems and kind of engaging in dialogue and just you know pushing myself outside my comfort zone to learn about other areas and other cultures around the world outside my own so it was cool that you know these classes weren't tied to my career or to my major but they were still fulfilling Mm -hmm. um and clearly you know 10 years later I still remember them yeah And so as you're thinking about, you know, you're wrapping up your time at BU and thinking about what might be next, did you know the path that you wanted to follow um, in terms of your career? It sounds like you had so many different experiences, um, the internship experiences and taking classes across so many different disciplines. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you ultimately make the decision of what what was the right first step after leaving BU? Mm -hmm. Yes. So the value of internships is getting getting clarity on what it is you like and you don't like um and so you know by the time I graduated from college I was clear on the environments that I thrived in and the types of projects that I enjoyed working on and so when you look at the internships I had they were either at PR or marketing agencies with nonprofit clients, CSR, you know, corporate social responsibility clients, government affairs clients, or I was in-house at a nonprofit doing communication or event planning or marketing functions. So, you know, I was able to put myself in different positions inside different organizations working on different types of social issues. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, you know, what became apparent to me is like, I just love to learn and I love to do it all. I'm a generalist. I'm a good at a lot of different things. And so agency just made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, um, Professor Jonathan Yohannan, uh, he worked at Cone Communications downtown Boston, which was started by Carol Cone, who is a BU alumna. Um, she sold it after, you know, launching it for a few years. Um, but it's cool that, you know, it was started by a BU alum and a woman, which is which is pretty cool. And so I, I asked him out for coffee to ask him about his sustainability work at the agency. Um, you know, we hit it off and he's like, you should really apply. So 
I actually got my job a week before graduation. Um, and I was an assistant account executive in the corporate social responsibility um, department at Cone. And I was there for about two years and really cut my teeth. Um, I worked on, you know, I helped develop and design and execute cause marketing campaigns. I helped Fortune 500 companies with their philanthropic programs and the branding of them, helping them develop relationships with nonprofits and develop fundraising campaigns and awareness campaigns around it. And what's cool is that in one job, I get to learn about childhood cancer, about, you know, um, environmental sustainability, you know, economic development, uh, you know, art as healing tools. So with every new project, you know, it's a new, you become a mini subject matter expert because to be a consultant, a good consultant, you have to like immerse yourself in your client's industry and in their business and their brand and the social issue they're supporting. And so it kind of just fed my hunger for information and working alongside other brilliant people at an agency, you're kind of in a position where you have to level up um, and uh, kind of catch up with others. And that's how you quickly learn. So, you know, I always tell folks who are interested in this field that like agencies, you know, it's not an easy lifestyle. And that's not a secret. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a year or two, you'll be able to, you know, amass great skills and experience that kind of uh, just kind of accelerates your areas of strength and lets you know exactly what you're not good at, which is just more information to take with you into your next step. Yeah. And so when thinking about those next steps and looking at your career progression, can you talk about some of the other landmarks in your career that ultimately would lead you to venture out on your own as a social entrepreneur? So after two years of working at the agency, I was getting burnt out. Um, you know, I'm a recovering overachiever. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's, it's typical of immigrant kids uh, to put a lot of pressure on themselves to excel. And, you know, being a person of color, a woman of color, you like we just we just have to go above and beyond and we know that so I was you know coming in at 6 a.m leaving at 7 p.m working on the weekends but I was getting recognized for my work um and, and getting really cool opportunities but towards the end of it you know I was starting to feel something in my heart that wasn't right and mm -hmm. ultimately I, I identified that I just felt really far removed from the impact that I was helping companies make. Like I'm here in, in this cubicle at this agency promoting all of these cool initiatives, but like I'm not on the ground, I'm not close to it. Mm -hmm. So um, I went to the Harvard Social Enterprise Conference and I came across a fellowship program called Pro Inspire, which at the time placed young professionals at a nonprofit for one year to test out the social sector and to also add value and capacity to the nonprofit. So I applied, I got accepted, and that was what brought me to the Bay Area. So um, I landed a role as the marketing and communications manager for a nonprofit called Year Up, which actually is headquartered in Boston. Um, and 
um, as the marketing manager, it was my responsibility essentially to be the the in-house agency for all of the departments. So student outreach, corporate partnerships, fundraising, um, you know, working closely with the executive director, doing brand marketing. Um, and uh, Year Up provides uh, their youth workforce development organization. So they help young folks 18 to 24 you know, folks who probably come from low-income backgrounds and, they, and they're trained in entry-level tech skills that allows them to uh, incredibly boost their livable wage outcomes post-programs. So mm-hmm. it was one year in-house at a nonprofit, and it was it was a testing ground. And I had the community and support and, the you know, you know, I was salaried and everything. So it was a neat way to move across the country, try a new job you know, put my skills to the test. And, also, you know, I discovered the nonprofit industrial complex, <laughs> which it makes it harder for me, at least. It, it really weighed on me emotionally to know that working inside of a nonprofit, your hands are still tied behind your back, but you're expected to save the world. And mm-hmm. I'm a visionary, I think, on a systems level. And for me, it's like, this isn't where change is going to happen. I mean, change is happening, but I don't think this is where I can make change happen. It's not inside of a nonprofit. So from there, I landed a really cool opportunity to work at IDEO, which is a global design firm that is well known for human-centered design. And um, at the time, like human-centered design as applied to social innovation was all the rage. So I was really obsessed with how to use design thinking to create answers to problems that make sense, that bring in community collaboration and creativity. As a problem solver, I hate I hate seeing easy problems <laughs> that can be fixed. Yeah. And sometimes, and this is like my, I, I geek out on behavior change and behavioral science, which is something that I studied and explored during my time at Ogilvy. So I would also add that during this time, I taught myself graphic design. So one thing's for sure is like from my first job out of college, design was a must-have skill. Uh, I th- like mm-hmm. in the beginning of my career, it was more PowerPoint. <laughs> I always tell people the biggest learning curve I had was learning how to design in PowerPoint um, because it like I went from bullets on a slide to like slides that were photo like look like they were photoshopped and you know custom made so um so over the years I kind of just built upon that started taking classes got my employers to pay for classes took on projects um so while at Ogilvy which was my job right after IDEO I was there for about two years you know I was I was a senior account executive that also did graphic design work so that opened a lot of opportunities inside of the agency. And um, while at Ogilvy, I was on the Earth team. So we did environmental sustainability communications, corporate communications. And, you know, uh, during my time there, the 2016 election hit. I wasn't the same after that. And I had a number of burnouts. And one of them, I call it the big burnout. <laughs> kind of just, it took my health with it. Um, There were definitely warning signs that I was overworking myself, but I was ignoring them. And a point arrived where I couldn't even look at a screen. 
because I was so sick. So it forced me to take time off and to reevaluate like, hey, why am I working this hard? Where exactly am I going? You know, um, I didn't want anyone's job. I wasn't interested in rising up the ranks. I wasn't interested in like begging for a promotion. Um, And, you know, I had thought about going back to school and started dabbling in MBA programs because it made quote unquote most natural sense to pursue an MBA. But after going to a few events and seeing everybody suited up and shaking hands off, I'm like, this isn't me. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. You know, I had been freelancing on the side because like friends were coming to me um, and obviously in the Bay Area, everyone has a side hustle because it's so expensive here. So I was encouraged to like, what if you just freelance full time? Um, so I was like, hmm, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. So, you know, I, I had the support of my partner at the time to launch and go independent. And I hired a, a coach to help me set an exit plan. So within four months, I came up with the name of the business. I put up a little landing page. I started going to events, networking, taking on projects. So by the time I left my job, I had a little bit of savings. I had some buzz. I had some clients. And that was February 1st, 2018. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, since then it's been it's been a mile a minute. Um, I quickly drummed up enough demand to start hiring and delegating to independent contractors um and so so yeah so by so we celebrated our second birthday this past february and um we've been able thank you so much yeah yeah and so um so yeah the name of the company is bombilla which means light bulb in spanish and it's symbolic of the power we all have to make change and we're a national network of creative freelancers, mostly women and people of color and under underrepresented backgrounds who are lit on purpose and using their skills to amplify the work of systems changing organizations. So over the past two years, we've served um, dozens of minority-owned small businesses, social enterprises, nonprofits. We've worked in the space of racial equity, gender equity, um, environmental sustainability, um, economic development, um, and we provide branding and graphic design. So yeah, that's what keeps me busy <laughs> nowadays. I love it. Yeah, that's how I, like, my career unfolded. Um, it all it all came together in a neat way. And as you were thinking about going off on your own and becoming an entrepreneur, it, it sounds like you had a really great plan and a coach in place. Um, but what were some of the biggest surprises when you went from being an individual contributor to, you know, some of these great big firms to becoming CEO? Mm. Well, I think one of the greatest surprises and the biggest joys is how much my community has my back. I might not be financially wealthy, but I've got social capital. And, you know, I've like if you if you think back to my freshman year and the brand I've been building for myself and social impact, it's like ten years later, now those seeds are flourishing. And so, you know, these past two years we've been able to thrive. We doubled our revenue last year because of my network. Um, when I look at my clients and the contractors who work for me, they're either 
first degree to second degree um, folks who were either, you know, referred or referenced to me, or we worked together, or you're a friend's friend, or, you know, you were an old boss, but, um, you know, in stepping out and letting people know that we exist and that, you know, we're a purpose-driven business and we have big visions, like, people want to support that, people want to be a part of it, they want to see us, they want to see us succeed, and, um, you know, the whole premise behind the name is that we shine brighter together, right? So the more of us who are lit on purpose that can connect and collaborate, you know, the more momentum we'll see. Um, so it's been pretty cool to just feel like I'm taken care of and that, you know, between my clients and contractors, like people are friends and family. Yeah. And when you're thinking about building your team and hiring independent contractors and uh, growing the network of people around you. It sounds like you're very intentional about representation, but what are some of the other like skills and qualities that you're looking for uh, when a candidate approaches you uh, about being part of this organization? Yes. So one of, one of the biggest things I look for is values alignment. When when I think back to my career, I I realized that like I quickly learned that the corporate world is not healthy. <laughs> you know, like I left I left the corporate world at 28. I started my business at 28 and I see friends who are starting to really struggle at their jobs even if they're successful, even if you know, they've got good salaries and benefits. It's like, I guess it's all to say, like, people are looking for meaning. They're looking to give back and to contribute. And so if you're in a position where you're just pushing products or services that don't do good, you're going to feel it. And so what's what's been really cool is that, like, some of, some of the designers that work for me, they just found me. They gravitated towards me because – they saw our mission and saw themselves in it. And they're looking for, if you're conscious, you see all of the problems that are around us. And I, I think that we can all be gainfully employed by the sheer number of social and environmental issues we have. And so we need players in all positions, whether you're in government, the public sector, the private sector. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've been really intentional with my career, right? And there are folks who haven't been and are seeking that. And so in terms of our values, you know, we value inclusivity, we value community, we value collaboration. You know, one of the things I didn't enjoy about the agency model is that if you're on the bottom of the totem pole, your opinion doesn't matter. And I'm not about that. I think everybody has valuable contributions and ideas and it's the diversity and perspectives and lived experiences that makes brainstorming really fun. <laughs> um, and on top of that, too, not everyone can go to college and get a degree or go to art school. Look at me. I'm self-taught in graphic design and I'm running a design agency. So it's leaving space for people to show up who are eager and who have the skills and want to learn. I also, um, one of the other things that we look for is initiative. So, you know, I'm a delegating queen. I'm not a micromanager. I 
empower and trust folks who work for me to step up to the plate and show me what they're good at. And so if you're someone who likes to take initiative, seize an opportunity and come, you know, if you come to me with the project plan, I'll give you the money to execute it. But as the CEO, I'm really busy and can be scatterbrained sometimes. And so it's so important for my team to kind of recognize that, like, I can't I can't keep all the balls in the air. <laughs> um, and I also can't execute on a lot of things like I'm a visionary person with big ideas. But if it's on my to do list, it might not get done. So that's why, you know, one of my goals is to be able to get capital so I can grow a part time team that is dedicated, taken care of and paid for so that we can move faster with the operationalization of this business. Because it's, it's still me. Um, I'm still the main person. I'm full, the only full-time employee on payroll. I'm the CEO, CMO, CTO, CIO, <laughs> biz dev, sales. You know, I have a part-time operations manager, a CPA, a part-time project manager, and a couple of designers. And so, you know, the virtual model is cool. It's almost like we got a two-year head start with the home-based business virtual collaboration thing going on now with working from home. Um, But, you know, we have low overhead, which just gives us flexibility and um, really puts the focus on making a living. Um, I'm not trying to build a business that I'm going to sell one day. Um, I want to build a business that sustains me and keeps me happy for the rest of my life. I love that. And you talked a a little bit about some of your goals for the future, but you've accomplished so much so quickly. Uh, I'm curious to know more about the path forward. Can you share some of your big picture goals for what you hope to accomplish in the next 5, 10, or even 15 years down the line? (laughs) Yes. So I would love, would love, love, love to have a full team. Um, we don't have to be, you know, a 200, 2000 person agency. I think a sweet spot would be 10, 15, 20 solid people, both billable and non-billable folks who just keep the machine running. And so, yeah, so kind of, I have to, I have to temper myself because I'm only in year three and I'm like, why don't I have it yet? But, you know, having our own office space, having our own team, you know, having the cash reserves to support payroll, you know, building a really a fun culture that people want to be a part of. Like, I, I want to make sure that like we're all having fun because that shows, you know, and that shows in our clients too. And then like down the line, like my, my big vision is to become a multi-million dollar socially conscious creative enterprise. I see it almost like a Pixar for progress, the ideal of inclusion, as I say, um, because now more than ever, we need to we need to change the narrative. We need more positivity. We need more inspiration. For those of us who are activists, we have to recognize, like, we weren't activists when we were born. Someone taught us. And so we need to use storytelling, videos, podcasts, cartoons, movies to plant these seeds and to help people awaken to the power that they have, to the bombillas that they have inside of themselves. 
And so I would love to have a, a company where I have creatives of all disciplines in-house, right? From illustrators to designers to communicators, um, marketers, to create content that sparks change. And the thing is, is like, when you look at major movie production houses, production companies, design agencies, like they've got a long way to go as it relates to their gender and racial and ethnic diversity, which there's no excuse for that now. And so what I'm trying to build is a workforce that is truly representative of America. Like it needs to be intergenerational. It needs to be multicultural. Um, it needs to include different abilities, you know, different identities, because those are the stories that need to be shared and told. And if, you know, we're watching movies or listening to content or whatnot that isn't being told by us, it's not going to hit the same. I love that. I love your vision for the future. I can't believe how quickly our time has slipped away from us, but um, I just want to Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. And I can certainly attest to the fact that all of us at BU are really excited to see your vision continue to grow. And we can't wait to, to see what's next. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate that. Thanks again, Evie, for joining us on Proud to Be You. I'm really grateful for your time. And I'm so inspired after hearing your vision for a better and a brighter future. Nice job, Dan, and my thanks to Evie as well for being part of the podcast. I had the good fortune to get to know Evie while she worked in BU's student activities office, and it comes as no surprise that she continues to be a powerful force for positive change in the world. Evie, thanks for all the great work you're doing, and as Dan said, we are all rooting for your continued success. On behalf of everyone on the BU Alumni Relations team, thanks so much for listening to Proud to Be You. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you find your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about Proud to Be You, visit bu.edu slash alumni slash podcasts.